2: If you dare.
1: Let's go! This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Timmy Abethay on VSN, the sports betting network.
3: It's a great day to be alive, and it's a great day to be a better. Welcome inside the Beason Studios here at the Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. This is the Lombardi Line hanging out with you guys on the DraftKings Network. We say hello to our friends over watching on Samsung TV Plus, Femi Abbefe alongside Michael Lombardi out in the great state of New Jersey. Michael, I would say good morning to you, but where we're sitting here at Circa, if I look out to the mega bar, it might be good evening. Uh, a lot of folks still <laughs> active here at 7 in the morning West Coast time, but uh, how are you doing this morning? <laughs>
4: We're doing good. We're doing good. A little depressed here, got to be honest. You Uh-oh. know, that Phillies bow that lead, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's not – that has not gone over well here. Uh-oh. Flags are at half-mass. Uh, tra- traumatic experience, you know. half so, Feel the emotions <laughs> of it all. Was that, I was at a, a little neighborhood tavern last night filled with Phillies fans. I mean, didn't even get a chance to see the end of the Astros game because they flipped the channel to the Phillies game just to oh. see the, the – uh, the, um, The uh, introductions, you know, can't miss that, Femi. Come on now. (laughs) So so you you didn't get to see Altuve's home run? I mean, yeah, no, we didn't see it. Somebody told us as we were leaving. Um, You got to understand now, you know, it's a big weekend in the Philadelphia region, right? You got got Penn State, Ohio State today. Mm -hmm. Huge, right? You got Eagles on Sunday night. And you got the Phillies. Yeah. So, I mean, worlds are colliding. Worlds are colliding. It's just, you know, it's
3: just one of those things where there's a lot going on. There is a lot going on. Now, is, are the poles still greased for the Phillies, or did we start wiping that well, off of the poles? They maintain grease poles. Okay. Well, because you're in,
4: when you're in the city of champions, you continually grease your poles forever. It doesn't matter. You just <laughs> continually do it, even if the Flyers – and and I got to admit, Femi, confessing to you as if I went into the pew box in mass <laughs> as my mother would make me do, I watched some of the 76er game. Uh-oh. It's an addiction I can't cure. I apologize. I apologize. I did. I watched a little of it. Uh, they lured me back in. I started watching Jared Springer and thinking, oh, my God, he might be really good. You know, and I'm sitting there. Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Yeah, well, it's only going to end up in complete frustration. Why? It's because
3: you, it's, it's you love it. And, and that's how we are with all of our teams. We, we hate them and we love them and we can't quit them. Most importantly, <laughs> that's, I mean, I mean sit, hang out with me on a Dallas Cowboys Sunday or a Monday. I mean, this past Monday night I was going nuts, even though they won that game. I mean, my you goodness. Won. <laughs> yeah, they won, but
4: you know, you're not playing pushover page in the NFL. It's not gonna be easy, yeah. right? Yeah. Like that's they're true. hard games. I mean every game's hard. It's like when I say when people start looking at the schedule and say, Well, their schedule's easy coming up. Well, they've never been in a they've never had a sweat through a game before. Easy, there's no easy games. You know, we don't get you know, Western Kentucky on the schedule, right? And, you know, Ohio State beats them 63 to 10. I mean, you don't get that opportunity very much.
3: Yeah, it's, a, it's unfortunate because sometimes you need some of those weekends where it's just like, okay, my team's a 28-point favorite. We can relax a little bit. And then next week, we'll go go ahead and sort it out. But we'll be sorting out college football all throughout the day. A fun day of college football. Fun day for Philly, like Michael mentioned. And one of our guests will help us break it all down. But coming up in 15 minutes, our buddy Tim Murray in his usual spot, host of the v Sin College Football Betting Podcast. Also V in primetime, which you can check out Monday through Friday, 6 to 9 Eastern time. He'll join us. Tim has a lot of plays, also has a Heisman play, Michael. We will definitely I dive saw into it in the that. Rundown. I mean, we will dive will co- into I mean, that.
4: Yeah, I'm going to give him the same number I gave you at those poor kids, please. <laughs>
3: But coming up in the second hour, though, 8.15 West Coast time, 11.15 Eastern. Howard Eskin of 94 WIP in Philadelphia, also Fox 29 as well. He will join us. We'll break down the Eagles-Dolphins game Sunday Night Football at the Link later on this weekend. And then Matt humans will join us in the second hour as well, 11.30 Eastern, 8.30 Pacific in his usual spot to, to go over his college football and NFL card. But let's start with the big game in Columbus. Uh, I see game days there, big noon kickoffs there, massive game, the biggest up until this point in the Big Ten Penn State, Ohio State. The Buckeyes right now four and a half point favorites. The total is 45 and a half. Uh, your early thoughts on this game. That's kind of the first benchmark game here for Penn State, definitely. And for Ohio State, another big game and a chance for them to c- continue being a national title contender.
4: Yeah, I mean, this is a game that features one team, Ohio State, that you know, is able to put some pressure on the quarterback, and Penn State does a great job of protecting Drew Aller. And I, I think we got to look at the injuries before we get going in this game. Is Burke going to play? You know, is the running back Henderson? He's listed as questionable. I think mm-hmm. those are two key injuries. You know, of what what that has to happen and what Manny Diaz does to try to ha- handle you know this offense of Ohio State led by Kyle McCord uh, as they try to improve. I, I think the key for this game is Jim Knowles, the defensive coordinator, yeah. right? I mean, this is the matchup against a really good Penn State offense, and they haven't given up very many explosive plays, Ohio State. And, you know, Penn State has been very good at methodically working the ball down the field. So I think it's
3: going to be a fun game to watch. It really, it will be. Yeah. We always talk about Saturdays being college days for a lot of NFL general managers. This is a game. I'm sure a lot of general managers and scouts will have their eyes on number of pro prospects. I know Penn state has an awesome left tackle, obviously Marvin Harrison jr for Ohio state. Like there's a number of guys that we'll be uh, getting to see on Sundays coming up next year uh, at the earliest here. But the betting market has been interesting. It feels like we've been hovering around four, four and a half saw some fives earlier in the week. Now we're down to four where I'm sitting here at circa four and a half over at DraftKings. Uh, from a betting standpoint i'm not sure if i could ever get there on the side i'm not really a huge fan of either coach and mike palm yesterday on the lombardi line asked me which coach is actually under the more pressure most pressure in this game and i thought it was kind of a hard question there because i was like both guys are under pressure for different reasons james franklin can they get over this ohio state hump ryan day can they continue to beat these good teams and expectations clearly high in columbus Uh, which coach do you think is facing the most pressure today
4: I think it's Ryan Day because you know you know again if if he doesn't win a big game at home and then he has to go to Michigan to play them can he beat Michigan I mean Michigan looks like the best team in the Big Ten so Maybe in the you can't afford to lose one it may be in the country and I, I don't think you know Penn State is a team that hasn't been able to break that threshold it's a huge game for them. But they haven't been able to get there. They've been a very good team that hasn't been able to get in the Final Four conversation. Whereas Ohio State is there. And if you don't get there, then you, you, you fall short of your expectations. So, you know, I, I think ultimately it, it falls on Ryan Day. I mean, the, the Notre Dame game, you could feel the pressure he felt mm-hmm. in that game, you know. So I, I think it's here. Uh, and, you know, look, it's going to come down to do you trust Franklin to coach the game in a game situation? I don't know. I mean, I think that's always – do you trust Ryan Day's team to play physical? You know, it's interesting when you go through the numbers of the game, right? I mean, Aller, Drew Aller, the quarterback for for Penn State, this offense is not about trying to make explosive plays, right? This mm-hmm. offense is a dink and dunk. They have that, and they have no problem controlling the football, which I think a lot of people are on the under today because they do control the ball, and they take more time off the clock, and they get four yards, five yards – and then they convert those third downs, you know, and so i i think that that can lend itself to frustration when you look at it, you know. And i think as you go through it, that that to me is really where this game's going to come down. Both teams can score. You know, both i mean this is the this is the third Penn State's the third best offense in the country in relative scoring offense. Just mm. think about that for a minute. Third best. I mean, this is a really good team. And Ohio State's going to have to play their best. They rank fifth in the
3: nation in sacks all out. Wow. It's a talented Penn State roster. We know that for sure. They recruit among the best teams every year out there with James Franklin. That's the one thing that they've been able to nail out there at Happy Valley. But from a national standpoint here and the betting wise, the national title, Penn State right now is 12 to 1 to win the national title. Ohio State, 8 to 1. So whatever the result of this game is, we will see a big shakeup in the market. Yeah. But get this stat, though. Our producer Elliot Bowen yeah. put this in there. In 18 games against top 10 opponents under James Franklin, the Nittany Lions are just 3 and 15 straight up and Penn state yeah. like that. That's, that's not what you want to hear <laughs> like going up against no, good but, teams.
4: Uh, I mean, but remember all data comes from the past. The great Rory yeah. Sutherland says, and it's true. This defense that Manny D- Diaz is controlling is the two, the best, the second best defense in the nation. They have the best passing defense in the country. They have the third best rushing defense in the country. They, they get more sacks than anybody. In the, they're second in the country in this. I mean, th- for all the Drew Aller and the offensive line and all that conversation, this defense is elite. Mm-hmm. And not, it's better than Notre Dame's defense. So that, to me, is when you can go, when you're, go on the road. How do you win road games in the National Football League, right? How do you do that? You win because you play really good defense. Your defense can get control of the game. And you have an offensive line that can get control of the trenches. Bad road teams typically don't have that.
3: Penn State has it. Okay. Well, we'll see how it unfolds later on this afternoon. Kickoff in less than two hours over there in Columbus. We'll get Tim Murray's thoughts on this. We'll get Matt Humans' thoughts on it as well before we wrap up the show. But let's get to the game over in Tuscaloosa, Tennessee, Alabama. Right now at DraftKings, the Tide, nine and a half point favorites, total 47 and a half. It got a little hairy there for Alabama last week against Arkansas late, but they pull out the victory. What do you see happening today at Bryant-Denny?
4: Well, I mean, we don't have enough time to get through it all, but I would say this. Of all the games that irritated Nick Saban in his Alabama coaching career, I think last year's Tennessee game probably was the straw that that, that stirs him, keeps him awake at night. Mm. And for him to give up that many points to a team and not really get control of it is going to be – Problematic, And I think he's probably spent a lot of time this offseason working on a way to handle the Josh Heupel offense and seeing what he can do against it. So, you know, the third Saturday in October is always fun. And I think this is going to be another one. I think I worry about Joe Milton. This is not as explosive offense as when they had Hayden Hooker now. This is the 38th-ranked scoring offense in the country, and that's coming off of scoring 41 and 45 in two of the last three games. Remember, Texas A&M had a chance in that game, but, of course – you know what happened.
3: <laughs> it's, a, it's an A&M game. We all know how that ended. But I, I, thought, I thought last week, especially that final drive to go ahead and clinch it off, Milro made some nice throws there in the pocket, able yeah. to layer stuff in the second level. Milrow's like, getting better. Yeah, he's getting yeah. better. Yeah. I, I think like the progression of Jalen Milrow has been good for this Alabama team. Obviously, they stubbed their toe badly against Texas, but it's still all out in front of them. If they were to run the table and win the SEC, they'd be right there in the college football playoff with all their hopes and dreams of a national title still up in the air. All right, on the other side, Tim Murray will join us, host of the VEASAN College Football Betting Podcast, to give us his card here on the third Saturday of October.
2: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.
1: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Femi Abbafei, on v the sports betting network.
3: Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today and get a daily email recapping all the best bets from our show hosts and guests. You'll also get unlimited access to our VEASAN.com slash picks page. Sort picks by sport, matchup, event date, and more. Check the top VEASAN experts leaderboard to view betting records, profit, and ROI and see which VEASAN expert has the hot hand. For VEASAN Pro picks, betting splits, power ratings, plus 24-7 video access. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today. Sign up today for only $19 for your first month at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. It is the Lombardi line here on this Saturday morning. Michael Lombardi out in the great state of New Jersey. Femi Abedfin hanging out here in downtown Las Vegas. Uh, we will have a lot of college football discussion here on the program, of course, with Ohio State Penn State, chief among the games that we have on our slate. But to help us break down all the games and also a little Heisman Trophy talk as well, we bring in our buddy Tim Murray, host of Vison Primetime, which you can check out 6 to 9 Eastern, Monday through Friday here on Vison and also the Vison College Football Betting Podcast. Make sure you get that wherever you get your podcast. Tim, we have have your Heisman bet. We have Penn State, Ohio State, but you want to start with the, the Navy, Navy and Air Force. What's <laughs> what's going on here? Let the people know at home why, why you're so hot on this game this morning.
1: Well, so appreciate you guys having me on as always. And this is certainly something a little near and dear to my heart. Uh, you know, being on the Navy broadcast team for, for three years was a lot of fun and uh, just love being a part of the however so small part of this, you know, great rivalry. But I don't know, man, this is, uh, I guess, Michael, you can chime in on whether or not this is dirty pool, because the starting quarterback for Air Force went out with an injury last week against Wyoming, Zach Larrier, and Troy Calhoun, the head coach of Air Force, it didn't look good. Troy Calhoun came out kind of somber earlier this week, said he's going to be out, quote, quite a while. He's starting today, so the market kind of reacted to it. You saw, you know, money come in on Navy, and now it's starting to go the other way. So, you know, we know there's no—he didn't do anything wrong technically, because there are no, you know, injury reports in college football. But uh, you know, it's interesting that we were just kind of got bamboozled a little bit here. So we will see. By the way, just a quick little nugget on this: Uh, Service Academy games have gone under the total forty times in the last 51 games uh oh. since 2006 so uh certainly a look a little bit there i did play a little under expected to be windy in annapolis i took some navy so i can't get a refund on my bet so we'll uh we'll try to ride with the mids here uh catching 11 11 and a half but uh the starting quarterback for air force who has been phenomenal so far this year and has been a big reason they're six and zero, uh is apparently playing today against navy
4: you know, Tim, this happens. Look, Lane Johnson, everybody here in the Philadelphia area were lighting candles because he was hurt and was going to miss four, <laughs> six, eight weeks. I mean, there was talk about bringing the Pope in to pray and hopefully we get him back sooner. And now he's going to start this week. So, you know, I think ultimately sometimes I don't think it's intentional. I think sometimes they think the injury worse than it actually is. And, you know, it changes and without any regulation in college, it's really hard to do that. I think Calhoun's done a remarkable job at Air Force, oh, yeah. especially the last couple seasons. It's it's really been I'm surprised, you know, he was on the staff with Mike Shanahan at the Denver Broncos. So he has a little bit of pro background. I thought, you know, some other school would come in and take him, especially a school that had struggles to win in their conference. But he's done a nice job. There's no denying that
1: yeah He's done a phenomenal job. They no, he, they are good. And you know, as of right now, top twenty five team and and uh, have the path to to get the group of five bid to the new year six. Uh, So we'll see. We'll see. These games historically usually are close, regardless of who the quarterback is. So we'll see if uh, Navy can keep it close and uh, still can cover that number. Where
4: are you on the partial owner of the next NFL franchise, Caleb Williams, (laughs) as he takes on Utah? Where are you on his ball club? I mean, I know he's probably just giving himself a little bit of time. As he, you know, his portfolio with Lehman Brothers, and I'm sure he's got, you know, uh, all these other hedge fund people working for him, Allen and Allen Company. You know, we can get uh, that work. And so where are you as he kind of graces us with a little bit of college play today before he starts becoming one of the 32 owners?
1: Yeah, hopefully he can be focused today because I believe it or not in backing Caleb Williams and the USC Trojans. I have not done that. This entire year, uh, I think I've faded them a couple of times. But, you know, for me, this is this is the spot, hopefully, uh, where you can maybe get a motivated USC team after getting embarrassed last week on national television. Caleb Williams having the worst game of, of his collegiate career. And, you know, there was plenty of chatter heading into that game about, hey, this USC team is is not as good as their record states. They're flirting with disaster. And then last night or excuse me, last week unfolded. Where they get blown out, lose by 28 points. You know, for Utah, uh, Cam Rising, you know, f- speaking of injuries, we thought Cam Rising might be able to play week one against Florida. Mm, he has yet yeah. to take a snap for Utah. Uh, exactly. That situation exactly. has been... You know, a disaster there from an the injury standpoint. I would be surprised at this point if we see Cam rising at all. And, you know, you mentioned great coaching. How about, you know, what, what Willingham has done so far uh, there in Utah? The fact that this team is, you know, in the top 25, in the top 15, without their starting quarterback, without their top two tight ends as well. Uh, but I think rubber meets the road here. You got the double revenge angle for USC, losing both times last year to Utah. So, you know, we will see. I, I have not... Been a big, uh, you know, uh, believer in this USC team, especially defensively. But, you know, the defense really didn't play terrible last week. They were just putting really terrible spots by, based off of turnover. So I'm going to lay the six and a half that is out there right now in the market, uh, both at, you know, DraftKings and Circa and, and roll with USC to, uh, to win by a touchdown today against Utah.
3: We're hanging out with Tim Murray here, host of VEASAN Primetime, also the VEASAN College Football Betting Podcast. Make sure you get that wherever you get your podcasts. Tim, the Heisman Trophy market is interesting after last week's results. Michael Penix of Washington now an odds-on favorite uh, over at all the sportsbooks. But you are interested in the player that he was going against last Saturday. We're getting bodacious here on the Lombardi oh, line. you uh, guys Why have up. you joined Pat the party? On the back
4: here, yeah. Yeah, you know, you <laughs> love, I love this. This is wonderful. Go ahead. So you two let, me, let me preface it but this just way. Let me, but when you're done, when you two are done talking, can I please supply the phone number to the St. Jude's kids? Because I would really like you to do that. I really would. I think it's important.
1: <laughs> you know, it's all about the number, right? It's uh, at 30 to one. Oh. I got intrigued. 17 to one touchdown interception ratio. Uh, for Bo Nix. And, uh, you know, after that game, I thought it was maybe a buy low spot. Look, Michael Penix is the rightful favorite. Uh, if you want to just fade Michael Penix and say, you don't believe that an odds on favorites going to win, uh, find your way to Circa and, and go play the the no on Michael Penix. That could be a way to short Michael Penix, who's been phenomenal and is the rightful favorite. You know, we'll see. He was a little dinged up, felt like after that Washington game. So look, I think there's a plenty, there are plenty of options to go. And we, we had a lengthy discussion about this, you know. If you look at, you know, Jaden Daniels numbers, they're through the roof, but can you trust L S U to make it to the college football playoff uh, win against Alabama here in a couple of weeks with the defense that is out there. Drake May, they've got everything in front of them. Tez Walker being back certainly for UNC has has helped boost their stock, and they've got some monster games still to come. You know, for me, it just came down to I think Oregon was slightly a better team than Washington on Saturday. Well, obviously Washington won the game, and if Oregon can run the table from here on out. And be playing on a Friday night in Las Vegas. Then there's going to be a whole lot of eyeballs on Oregon and Bo Nix. So if it was fifteen to one, Michael, I would not be on Bo Nix. But the fact that there's a thirty to one out there at multiple different spots, that's where I think it's worth a little bit of a flyer on the quarterback for a team that very well could be in the college football playoff in the Oregon Ducks.
4: I like it. I mean, I, I don't, I don't argue with your logic, but I think when you lose to Penix so why if you lose a second time is it better than when you lose the first
1: well i think if, if, if oregon beats Washington in a rematch. That's what I'm banking on here, right? Because if these two teams meet in Las Vegas, I think Oregon closes as a slight favorite against Washington. So if Oregon wins that rematch, remember, this is a voted on process. So, you know, there's a lot of opportunities out there for Oregon on Black Friday against Oregon State, their arch rival on Fox. You know, the uh, the Pac-12 championship being an isolated game on that Friday night. So that's what I'm basing this on, Michael, is if Oregon gets that rematch, wins that game, whether it's accurate or not, it's the fact that if he were to win that game and Oregon were to win it and head to the college football playoff, I think that's the last image in the minds of voters. And that's why they could ultimately lead to a Bo Nix play. Michael Penix is the rightful favorite. And if he were anything, you know, in that five to one range, he'd be getting pounded. There's a reason he's odds on right now. I'm just saying, hey, if this if Oregon rolls here and and beats them, it beats Washington in Vegas. I think uh, Bo Nix will have a shot to be in New York and and maybe win the
3: award. Real quick here, Tim, we got about 40 seconds left here. Uh, Penn State, Ohio State looks like you're playing the total in this one.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go under here uh, first half under probably a little stronger than full game under because weird things can happen. But I'm going to do the old split unit, take my unit, split it in half, put her, uh half on the first half under 21 and a half and a half on the full game, 45 and a half. Two great defenses. Offense is still something left to be desired. I think this is kind of a slugfest 20 to 17, 20 to 14 type of game. So I will roll with the under in Columbus today.
3: All right. He is Tim Murray, host of v Prime Primetime, also the College Football Betting Podcast, and also now a card-carrying member of the Bodacious Heisman Moment. Uh, <laughs> Tim, good luck with the bets. We'll talk to you next week. I'll get you both in touch with, with Saint Hughes. Don't worry. <laughs> We're back after the break. <laughs> this is the Lombardi Line with former
1: NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Timmy Abbafe, on v the
3: sports betting network basketball season is ready to tip off and the VEASAN experts have been hard at work tracking the latest player moves to help you bet smarter. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today and get our all new NBA betting guide featuring up to date previews on all 30 teams, futures and year long player props, best bets on player awards like rookie of the year, live betting strategies plus strategy and advice on building your own NBA betting model from senior NBA analyst Jonathan Von Tobel. Give yourself an edge this season and get the VEASAN NBA betting guide by becoming a VEASAN Pro subscriber today at VEASAN.com slash subscribe right NBA season tipping off Tuesday night. Cannot wait for um, the association I, uh, to be back. Oh yeah,
4: you're so excited. I'm excited. Who do you root for in the NBA? I don't even know who you root for. I don't for have in the to, NBA. I
3: mean, it, they stripped our team. They, they they play in Oklahoma City now. So uh, the Seattle Sonics are no more. But, so but you're an NBA fan. Yeah, so Who I, do you I, root for?
4: I just root for the players. Are you a free agent? Are you waiting free, for like? Are you waiting for Caleb Williams to <laughs> offer you a deal somewhere or what? what are you maybe, doing?
3: Maybe get a minority stake in one of these one of these franchises. That's yeah. <laughs> so what we're, so we're
4: hoping for. <laughs> See I that's will not legal. root for your team unless <laughs> I have a minority stake. in <laughs> It. Yes, I want ownership.
3: <laughs> exactly. Why not? Where do I sign? Where do I? Sign? <laughs> where do I I'll, be, uh, I'll be. I'll have a little bit of, of everything. I'll be like Magic Johnson, dabble with the teams here, ever there. You know, all sorts of leagues across the across America. That, that sounds like a fun time. Yeah. But uh, no, I just root for like the, the players and root for good matchups and and root for the storyline. So yeah, it's it's a stress. I, that's why I love the NBA, honestly, because it's a stress free uh, situation for me. I don't have any sweat equity invested. Uh, I, in this.
4: It's <laughs> stress free for me. I quit. I quit the minute it gets hard. Trust me. I quit the 76ers the minute it gets. It's hard. It's basically stress free for me too. (laughs) Actually, it's really more about getting material to work with than it is anything. I mean, they give me so much material
3: on what not to do. Yeah, it's it's an incredible league. It really is. Uh, speaking of rookie of the year, which we talked about in the NBA betting guide, make sure everybody goes and gets that VC.com slash subscribe. Wembenyama last night was unbelievable. I know it's preseason, it's just a preseason game, doesn't count towards anything, but my goodness, in just about 90 seconds, you see why this guy was touted as a generational prospect. Just it looks like he's a created player in a video game, what he's doing there at seven yeah. foot four. Like it's unbelievable.
4: Yeah, it's it's just, you know, it's funny when you watch him play, you say to yourself, what's the next generation of athletes going to look like if this kid does this, you know, I mean, he looks like Wilt Chamberlain out there, but yet he dribbles the ball like he's Bob Cousy, you know, (laughs) I know Bob Cousy's a plumber, but the reality of it is, is he was really good at one time as good plumber too. You want him to come all 24 hour plumber. But to me, I think it's interesting, you know, it's like how well this kid does the things that he does and and how um, he's in tune to it. Sally Jenkins has just written a book about what makes great players great, and I think a lot of it is, A, the conditioning, but still the ability to adjust the game to a different game. I think that's what we're seeing with a lot of these basketball players. I think we're going to start seeing this with running backs, right? I think Mm -hmm. running backs will start to understand that, yeah, I want to play running back, but for most of the practice, I want to practice with the wide receivers. Yeah, because that's where I really can make a difference.
3: Yeah, uh, try to emulate Christian McCaffrey, see what he's doing, and do and do that stuff, and then maybe you'll get paid the money that you so desire. But uh, can't wait for the NBA season. Just a little bit on the association here on a college football Saturday, and also just because we're feeling in a good mood, we'll give out the rest of Tim's plays. We didn't get to all of them. He laid fourteen with Florida State. He also took the four with Minnesota. That total is at thirty and a half. I mean, good God! Like what? What a game that'll be! And then of course I'll he had the, the under in the thirty and a half. But Minnesota, Iowa. I mean, why not, right? <laughs> was it 13-10, probably, is where we're going to be hanging out in that it game? Be, yeah. <laughs> probably something like that. Uh, e- even if I had a bet on that, I would not watch that game. I, like, just 30 and a half, no, e- I got better stuff to do on my Saturday afternoon. But let's get into the National Football League, though, some of the headlines around the league. And we will start in the Windy City in Chicago, where, of course, we have the two backup quarterbacks. No Justin Fields, no Jimmy Garoppolo, both guys out. So it will be Brian Hoyer, which was reported yesterday mm-hmm. afternoon. And then going up against Tyson Bagent, or Bagent, I guess we'll get a clarification on how the how he pronounces his name on the broadcast, but the Bears are two and a half point home. Underdogs total 37 and a half. Big game here for the Raiders when you look at the standings in the AFC.
4: Yeah, I mean look th- this was a game that we thought there was going to be a lot of wind. You know, now we're talking about seven mile an hour wind going down as the game goes on. I, I think a lot of people were surprised, including me, that they went with Hoyer over Aiden O'Connell but I, I think a lot of this has to do with trying to avoid losing first and, and it mm-hmm. may not work out, you know, it may not work out, but I think the theory behind it is, and again, I have not been told this by my inside source in there. I don't even know. <laughs> I, I talked to him this morning and got nothing out of him, And so it was a pleasant <laughs> conversation about my grandchildren. So we there move we forward yeah. and, and, you know, for me, this is a little bit, and I said this on the Thursday pod. So this is my thinking. They want to play somebody who knows the offense and will protect the ball. And I think with Aiden O'Connell taking all those sacks, not protecting the ball, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, against a Bears defense, which is vastly underrated now. I mean, they're healthy. They're the fifth best run defense in the national football. They're hard to run the ball on. They're a zone spot drop team. You can throw the football on them as long as you are very good with your eyes and and moving people off because they're spot droppers in zone coverage. They're going to react to the quarterback's shoulder and the quarterback's head, and they're going to run to the football. The Raiders probably feel like if they don't turn this thing over, they have a really good chance to win the game. That being said, in all six Raider games, there have been turnovers. The three that they've lost, they've turned it over three times. The three that they've won, they've
3: turned it over once. Mm. Protect the football being the name of the game there. And it is interesting from a decision-making standpoint because we saw them go with O'Connell against the Chargers, but you mentioned the turnovers and all that stuff kind of put them behind the eight ball in that game. And now, almost like if you're Josh McDaniels and you're for that Raiders front office, it's like, hey, if we win this game, we're sitting here at four and three. So like, let's sort of go with the quote-unquote safer option of Brian Hoyer, the more right. experienced option to try to go ahead and just not lose this game. And maybe it's Tyson Bajent turning the football over on the other end and right. makes your life a little bit easier. To where, at four and three, if you win this game, you are right there in the AFC Wildcard. Like nobody thinks of the Raiders as a playoff team, but the standings are the standings. They're they're right there when you look at the rest of the conference.
4: Right, and, and I think look, they they want to be able to avoid the losing. It, they know it's going to be hard to run the football. I mean, the only team that really ran the ball on on the Bears this year is the is the Chiefs in that game in Kansas City when the Bears were completely hurt. Mm-hmm. The Bears have lost games because, I mean, they held Minnesota down last week. I mean, and it wasn't just because, you know, Minnesota wasn't trying. They held them down. They play really good defense against Minnesota. Yeah. So, you know, for the Raiders, this is a game that's going to really come down to those factors, the kicking game, turn the ball over, protect the lead, and, you know, try to make Badgett be the guy who makes the mistakes and and move forward from there. I I think ultimately this happened in Cleveland too, right? When they started Dorian Robinson Thompson and he was a, and lost the Baltimore game because of all those mistakes, they brought in P.J. Walker. I think this is along the same lines. Look, he may be a better player at a year, but right now for us to win this specific
3: game, we need some veteran leadership in that huddle. We'll see. Tyson Badgett, now the sixth rookie quarterback who has started an NFL game this season. Of course, we had the three that went in the top four with Young, Stroud, Richardson, O'Connell started one. We saw Dorian Thompson-Robinson start one, and now it's Tyson Badgett, the sixth guy. And maybe we'll see Will Levis start one next week. Who knows what the Tennessee Titans are going to do with Ryan Tannehill injured in that one. Uh, But we'll uh, wait and see on that with the Titans. Let's get over to the Meadowlands, though, where Daniel Jones has been limited in practice throughout the week, but Brian Dable, the head coach, did not clear him for contact. So all indications are that it'll be Terod Taylor, who starts. And right now, the Giants are three-point home underdogs against the Washington Commanders. Total, once again, 37 and a half.
4: You know, look, uh, this Washington has struggled against the Giants last year. They lost twice. The Giants covered in both games. Uh, And this Washington football team is really, I don't think they self-scout. I don't think they self-scouted off. I mean, why why do I say that? Because offensively, they are going to get their quarterback killed. They take great pride in throwing the football, right? They are 10th in the National Football League in passing attempts. They are 30th in rushing attempts. Now, understand that they are 13th in yards per attempt rushing. 13th. And yet they continue to want to throw the ball and get their quarterback killed and continue to put him in under in harm's way. They refuse to, and, and of course Bienemy made it he said it the other day. He said, Look, Andy Reid would be proud of me that I called 55 passes. Well, you don't have Andy Reid's team. <laughs> you know, you got a bad offensive line, and you got a guy on the other side who hasn't blitzed much in the last two weeks. Let's not confuse it. The Giants have played more man-zone combos than attack the quarterback. I don't think that's going to be the case this week. I think they're going to come after Sam Howell and create some turnovers. I really do. I think they're going to get after the quarterback. Mm. And this Washington defense, which has got this reputation for being so good, in the last three weeks they've given up over 400 yards. And, you know, they've only had one game where they've played good, and that was the Arizona game.
3: Yeah, it's been kind of downhill ever since then for the Washington Commanders. I mean, even the Broncos win. I mean, they played well in the second half, but the first half, they got down pretty big in that one. Here, uh, I – I laid two and a half with Washington reluctantly. I just, I, I just don't know if I can do two weeks in a row here with Tarah Taylor behind play, that line. I don't
4: know how you can play Rivera as a dog. You know, I mean, excuse me, Rivera is a, a favorite. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's one of the worst things you can do in life is play him as a favorite. Now, (laughs) you know, I I think weather was supposed to be a factor. We'll see. We'll see if that holds to be true. It was supposed to have high winds uh, in the Meadowlands, but I think the weather might have cleared out.
3: One of the worst things that you can do in life is playing Dennis Allen as a favorite. We saw that Thursday night with his New Orleans Saints losing once again to the Jacksonville Jaguars. uh, We will get into that NFC. 15 mile an hour winds. The wind's still going to be strong. We got to talk about Dennis Allen when we come back. <laughs> Let's do it. This is the Lombardi Line, hanging out with you guys on the DraftKings Network.
2: At bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming!
1: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Timmy Abbafei, on v the sports betting network.
3: Don't forget on DraftKings Sportsbook. This season, new customers can bet $5 and pocket $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Download the app and use the promo code v when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown, is yours. It's the Lombardi Line rolling along on the DraftKings Network here on this Saturday morning. We will get back to the college football coming up in hour number two. Matt Eumanns will be joining us at 1130 Eastern to give us his college football card and his NFL card. But, Michael, uh, we we haven't talked about this game since Thursday night football yet. I'm curious to get your thoughts on it. Jaguars beat the New Orleans Saints 31-24. New Orleans uh, went off as a a two-and-a-half point favorite. The total, we go well well over the total. The Saints-unders have been hitting all throughout the season, but we go over finally Thursday night. Uh, what were your impressions of what you saw on the New Orleans side where uh, the, the, the crowd, the fan base, did not seem to be happy from Jump Street? And uh, at the end of the game, it ended up proving to be true.
4: Well, I, I, my reaction was uh, my first line in my notes when I watched the tape of the game was classic card game. That's my first line in the mm. notes. You know, doesn't make any plays when the game's on the line, when the game gets behind. His body language is always somebody else's fault doesn't take responsibility, misses guys that are open, wants to take the check down. I mean, there's a reason, Femi. There's a reason he's the second least profitable quarterback against the spread in the last 20 years. Think about that for a second. Man. He hasn't had a hasn't been over 500 ATS as a favorite since 2015. I mean, there's a reason the Raiders got rid of him. And I know Raider fans are delusional in to think that they had a really good playoff team and that Josh McDaniels come in and destroyed it. They can think that, right? They can think that all they want. It's not accurate. Now, I'm not saying he's done a great job in terms of turning this around quickly, but it wasn't a great team that he inherited, mm-hmm. and it was a quarterback that I think Saint fans, who looking at this objectively, are saying like, "Why did we sign him? Like, what are we? What, all the things that he didn't do against us in the in the Superdome when we played the Raiders is he's doing for us now." Remember that was a game the Raiders got shut out. Yeah, You watch this tape and study the tape, not watch it, study it. He's got a wide open for a touchdown, throws a flat, throws a check down. He's got guys open. Now I know Moreau dropped the pass in the red zone, but this is before it, right? When they get, when they claw themselves back into the game, right? When they claw themselves back into the game, he, he puts up a three and out. I just think to me, there's a perception and then there's the reality. And what Saints fans who weren't never bought into the perception, they're only judging the reality. They're more accurate. And that's the reason why they're booing. And he can't fool them. He can't Mm -hmm. fool them anymore. My question to you is simply this.
3: How bad must Jameis Winston be (laughs) to keep him on the bench? It's... I, that's what I've been asking myself this whole time with watching the New Orleans Saints. Is like, why can't we get Jameis a try in this? And and the, it's weird because Jameis last year was their starter week one, but then he had the back injury, tried to play through it, ends up going to the bench, and Andy Dalton plays out the rest of the season, and they never went back to Jameis. So I don't know if it's maybe Dennis Allen being a defensive coach doesn't want a quarterback who's turnover prone like Jameis Winston is. But man, at least Jameis is going to try to make plays. <laughs> like that's what we're begging Derek Carter. The team like to like try to make plays. The te-
4: the team buys into Jameis. And I think if you just see the body language of the Saint team, they're not buying into this one. Yeah. Like he can't, he doesn't have the clout in this locker room that he might have had in the Raider locker room, right? He mm-hmm. might have had it in the Raider locker room. like, And so it's now becoming very apparent that when you look at him and you see him as a favorite, when you see him, he's 04 and one as a favorite this year. Think about that. Now, it's 05 and 1 as a favorite. I mean, they're in a close games, and he can't win it. And you could say, well, okay, you know, they had a chance to win that game. They didn't they didn't. All right, he throws 55 passing attempts. He gets 300 yards, great numbers. Great numbers, but what throw did he make? I know he made the throw to Moreau, so you can do that. But he's 3 for 18 on third down. Mm. 3 they had a, they had to use six fourth down conversions. To keep the ball. They're four for five. They're four for six on fourth down. He's three for 18 on third down. And one of those third down throws, he misses for a touchdown. So, it like, this is, and then again, they're two for five in the red zone. They can't run the ball, right? Their leading rusher is has to be Taysom Hill. I actually think they would be better if they played Taysom Hill and played Winston and they save 37, 40 million. I mean, this is this is going to be they need a they just spent 40 million. They're like the Giants. They just spent 40 million
3: and need a quarterback. Yep. The contract that Carr signed over the offseason, 4 years, 150 million dollars, uh 28 and a half million dollar signing bonus, 100 million guaranteed. And if they were to cut him next year, it sounds like they have a 52.8 million dollar dead cap. The cap hit is $35.7 million that he has heading into 2024. It's, it's a dire situation. I'm not sure why they were rushing to get this thing done, uh, to be quite honest, but that's the bed that they have made. Now they have to lay in it. And now when you step back and look at the big picture here, Michael, in this NFC South division, with New Orleans doing what they're doing, the door is wide open for either an Atlanta or a Tampa to step right through and win this division. Those two teams happen to be playing on Sunday, which kind of makes that game a bigger game, even though from an standpoint probably not the game that everybody's itching to watch but it's a massive game in terms of who might be able to grab control of this division at DraftKings, the bucks are actually the favorites at plus 160 atlanta's plus 185 new orleans plus 200 and then you have carolinas at 75 to one but who would you feel confident i know you asked me this question earlier this week i'm still not sure i think i would lean tampa but uh, uh, who are you willing to back here in this nfc south because one of these teams by rule has to win this division you know, I think I would lean Tampa. Although I hate their offense,
4: you know they're not very good. I mean, they have skill players, and I yeah. think Mike Evans dropped too many passes last week. I don't trust Baker. I really don't. I don't trust Baker to. I think Baker is exactly kind of who we think Baker is, and but they've done a good job of keeping Baker from beating them. I, it, I, I, you know what I find interesting is this conversation about Ritter and. I thought Ritter going into the season was way too conservative, right? Mm-hmm. I thought he was way too conservative. He wouldn't throw the football. And then when he went overseas, he th- made a lot of mistakes on throws where, he had to, where there had to be space. And in the last two weeks, they have given him throws where it's really pitch and catch throws. And, and he's responded. Now, he's turned the ball over way too much. I think yeah. they've had five turnovers in the last two weeks. And that's cost him. But he's actually thrown the football. If you're fair in the analysis, he's thrown the football fairly well. And they've moved the football. Here's what I don't understand, Femi Bijan Robinson averages five yards a carry on 80 carries. Algier averages 3.2 on 75 carries. What are we doing? Are we trying to give everybody a varsity letter here? Like, what are we doing? Like, why wouldn't we just give the ball to Bijan all the time? And I think they got to figure this out. You know, they're going to, because here's what we do know about Tampa. The Eagles ran for 201 yards against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers mm-hmm. in their game. The next four opponents, that they, the next five opponents that they played have rushed for 214 yards combined. Combined. So Atlanta walks in there knowing that it's going to be hard to run the ball. They ran 69 yards last time they played down there. The last game of the season, the Bucks mailed it in because they were already in the playoffs. Yeah. So you can't go by that game. So it's going to be a back and forth. I think the Falcons are good defensively. They can't create enough pressure to turn the ball over. Jesse Bates had three interceptions in the first game of the season, but they really have, they've turned the ball over one more time in the next five. So that spells well for Tampa, who basically,
3: if they don't turn it over,
4: they play good enough defense to win games.
3: Yeah, the, the B. John Robinson nugget there, like, that's to me where I just keep hammering the Atlanta Falcons. They, they picked him eighth overall. Clearly, they saw that he had the makings of a varsity athlete. But it's like, wh- why do yeah. they? Why, why aren't they giving him the football more? Like, it's just why aren't like. Aren't they giving him a letter? I, I don't know why
4: they won't give him a letter. Like, it makes no sense why they wouldn't give him a letter. Right. Like yeah. at some point, at some point, you, you've you got to be able to to decide, OK, here, I got this guy. I got to get the ball to this guy. I got to get the ball to this guy. And you got a quarterback who's not good at being point playing point yet. You know, he's not a true point. He's kind of he's kind of you got to feed him to where he should go with the football. But they have thrown the ball better in the last two weeks. The average three on 25 yards passing in the last two weeks. Now, granted, they have turned it over way too much. Mm-hmm. Understanding that. They have turned it over way too much. But they should have beaten. I mean, if you had Atlanta on your card last week, you should it's have tough. won. The problem yeah. is they turned the ball over three times. I mean, Washington, in that great offense that they have, they had 193 yards and 13 first downs. This team, in the last two weeks, Atlanta has only given up 30 first downs against Houston and Washington. Wow, That's less than what Cleveland's given up. Think wow. about that now. They And they've you know, they won one game and they've lost. They, they can play good defense. They can't turn it over. They've only had four turnovers, created four turnovers. Problem is they're giving the ball away. They've had they've had eight turnovers in the last three weeks.
3: Real quick, which coach do you trust the most in this division? Oh
4: boy. <laughs> right? I guess I would because I would trust Bowles being a defensive coach. I think that would yeah. that's where I would be. That's I a mean, hard one, though. I mean I, I trust both. I mean, I think the Tampa staff has been better. I don't trust Baker.
3: They run it too much. Hard one. What a division. What, somebody has to win it by rule. Bless you. Somebody has to win this thing by rule, and that team will host a playoff that, game That question made January. me sneeze. <laughs> so bad. Lombardi look ahead on the other side to begin our number two.